We would like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Preborn. When a mother meets her baby on an ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection. And the majority of the time, she will choose life. But she can't do it without our help. Preborn needs us, the pro-life community, to come alongside her. One ultrasound is just $28. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby or visit preborn.com. Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. I love talking about the things of God because of truth and the biblical worldview. The U.S. Constitution obligates our government to preserve and protect the rights that our founders recognize come from God our Creator, not our government. I believe that Scripture in the Bible is very clear that God is the one that raised up each of you, and God has allowed us to be brought here to this specific moment in time. This is Jenna Ellis in the morning. Good morning. Good morning. And as we, as Christians, continue to try to influence our culture for truth, uh, we continue to see all of the pushback from the left that uh, will not only name call, but also uh, go as far as to weaponize government against us. And uh, my first guest is no stranger to all of the trials and tribulations of being a truth teller. And that, of course, is my good friend, uh, Pastor John Amanchukwu. And you can follow him on X at Rev. Wu Truth, W-U Truth, and his book is Erased. Uh, you can go to E-R-A-C-E-D, erasedbook.com. And uh, Pastor John, good morning. And you had a, a very interesting instance uh, at a school board meeting in Boise, Idaho. Tell us about it. Yes, yeah, so I've traveled the country now. I've spoken now in 10 different states addressing issues like critical race theory, gender theory, and queer theory, really fighting against much of the indoctrination and what I call mental rape that is taking place in the public school system. And so I went to Boise, Idaho to do the same thing, speak at a school board meeting there. There are several parents who reached out to me who are saying that they need my help and my support. And about sitting in the school board meeting for about two and a half hours. It was a long school board meeting. Um, one of the sergeants walked up to me, tapped me on my shoulder and walked me and told me to come with him outside. And so we go outside, outside of the building, not simply in the lobby, which I thought the place that's where he was going to take me to, but he takes me outside into the cold. And he tells me, hey, you know, we were called uh, to be here today. We're normally not here, but uh, we received notification that you were coming to speak at um, the school board meeting here, and, you know, we've been told that if you get off subject, that they're going to try to get you back on topic. And if you don't listen, then we're going to walk you out of the school board meeting and off the premises um, where where you're at. And so I had never encountered anything like that before. You know, I have seen, like in Florida, when, when I spoke at a school board meeting there, the sheriff's walked me out of the school board meeting because the board chair told them to remove me because she didn't want me to read from the pornographic books there. In Las Vegas, Nevada, um, someone sent me a picture and shared some information with me that supposedly law enforcement was prepared to arrest me there for the same issue. But to be be removed from the school board meeting and to be told by law enforcement before I spoke, that I would be walked off the premises if I got off the topic of what they wanted to discuss that night, which was 
curriculum and, and materials. And so to be told that it's really been infringing upon my rights and also an attempt to threaten me to keep me from speaking out on behalf of children. Wow. So this is incredible. So so if I'm understanding this right, John Amanchukwu, you were um you you went to Boise and were you invited to go there or or you it was just an open forum that anyone could come and speak? Yes, I was invited by uh, several parents who are concerned about what's going on and that's okay. uh, in that district, which is a recurring thing for me. I hear from parents grandparents from teachers and even school board leaders around the country who call me in who want my support because uh, God has graced me to be able to address these issues and bring national attention to these problems that are taking place um yeah so, so you're done this far. so you're so you're an invited guest you know you're invited by the parents and you're yes. going there and obviously you know somebody tipped off local law enforcement and they're coming and, and you hadn't even begun speaking it was just merely your presence there and they 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 were what so triggered that they had to ask the police to come in and talk to you i mean this is act completely absurd that in a forum that is open like that and you are an invited guest that an officer would actually come up to you and have that type of interaction i mean what how did that resolve ultimately um were in terms of of that interaction well i told the officer i said number one um i'm kind of concerned because they sent the wrong the wrong person to tell me this if you're going to say that to me and, and want to, you know, find a way to keep me from speaking, you don't want to escalate it, number one, to go to law enforcement. I would think that someone from the board would send me an email or talk to me while I was there, but they sent law enforcement. Um, I also told the law enforcement officer that, you know, statements like, if you get off topic, we're going to remove you from the school board meeting. That doesn't make me want to <laughs> stay on topic. That actually right? makes me want to get off topic, you know? <laughs> Well, so basically, um, if you don't provide, if you don't stay within the narrow scope of what they expect and want you to say and what's approved, then you're going to be escorted. You know, this was your notice, and that's which is entirely antithetical to the design of this forum. I mean, if this is for concerned parents, mm-hmm. and you are a concerned parent, to come and voice um, some concerns to the school board, then what could possibly be off topic? Uh, nothing. You know, you you make a. Um a strong point there. But what I'm saying is that that many of these school board leaders have special interest and their special interest is oftentimes doing what's best for their political party. And there's one political party in particular who, who is constantly pushing these ideas upon children. And we know what that political party is, is the, um, the Democrat party. We see that take place oftentimes. Um, the book that I wanted to read from uh, was a book named George, which was renamed to um, Melissa in 2021. And so when I actually got a chance to speak, I started to read from the book uh, called George. And the board chair cuts me off and says, no, you can only speak on issues pertaining to school and, uh, school curriculum and materials. And so... I say to him, I say, so are you telling me that books in the library don't pertain to the curriculum in Boise, Idaho? And he tells me, no, no, you just need to stay on our agenda. 
And then he tells them to silence my microphone until I can no longer speak. And then someone in plain clothes walks up to me, who I believe was also an undercover cop, and tells me that if I don't leave the podium, that they are going to trespass me. Jenna, this is crazy. Wow. Actual, to to cite you for trespassing simply because you are unwilling to speak within the confines of the preferred narrative of the local school board. I mean, this is this is insane. And so this book, though, um, that was titled George, it's now renamed Melissa, because apparently George must have transitioned to Melissa, I'm assuming. But, you know, th- these are things <laughs> that are in the local library that you just simply wanted to bring their uh, the, the board's attention to. And obviously, they don't want that because their narrative is, um, you know, the, oh, there's there's nothing that is problematic or concerning in anything that uh, that school kids have access to. And as a concerned parent, you're not allowed to raise that. Otherwise, you have to be concerned about a criminal citation for trespass. I mean, that is patently absurd. And that is, um, frankly, a, a dystopian type of um, of of tyranny that a school board yes. would not allow you to voice concerns. And so what did the other uh, parents there who had invited you think of this? They were um, angry. You know, they were very upset. Many of them were going going to sending letters to the school board as well and to um, address this issue because they saw that I was defrauded. They infringed upon my freedom of speech. And you're right. um, It is tyranny and it's taking place um, everywhere I go now. You know, they're starting to find creative ways to uh, shut me down. Um, the issues that I had with this book, uh, George, are simple. The book casually talks about the subject of pornography, dirty magazines, and implies it's okay to masturbate. The book teaches children how to hide their online searches from their parents. The main character in the book explores the idea of taking hormones to stop puberty as well as investigating uh, sex reassignment surgery. The main character expresses disappointment about his genitals while taking a bath. And the book suggests that if a child is confused about their gender or just gender atypical, then perhaps something is wrong with them and they need to change it. That's what so I was who, going to talk about and read it. Who in Boise, in, in their school district, would like what age group would have access to this type of book? Uh, kids nine and up. So this book was made available wow. in an elementary school. That That is just yes, shocking. And and yet that's not allowed to be addressed in front of the school board mm-hmm. to question, you know, why these types of materials. Uh, I mean, this is, this is exactly what we're talking about when, you know, the left will suggest, John Amanchukwu, that, you know, we're just, the, the conservatives and the right is, um, you know, just so horrified over paper tigers, and this really isn't happening. And yet, when you're bringing in this material and actually wanting to confront the school board, they don't want to hear from it. And I think it's because they don't want to actually have to admit that this type of thing is available. And that that is just so vile and disgusting. And I think it needs to be brought up even more. So, how has this um, then just encouraged you to continue? And, and I know you to to just speak up further. And to encourage parents to not be silenced and to not be intimidated by these school boards that just have their own agenda. Well, I am preparing to do a 20 city tour in 2024 where I'll be addressing these same issues 
I um, I have more invitations than I do t- than I have time to get to these school board meetings. There's so many people who need support. But um, one of the things also that I'm going to be doing is creating resources and training and development for parents who want to start doing what I'm doing and also um, providing the necessary training for pastors to engage their congregations on these issues as on these issues as well. Um, uh, one of the things that I do want to also key in on, Jenna, is that in 2022, more than 50% of transgender and non-binary youth in states across the U.S. Uh, seriously considered suicide in the past year, and that's according to the Trevor Project. And so everyone's talking about, you know, transgenderism and this whole increase in suicide. One would think that books like this, George, which is now titled Melissa, um, one, one would think that parents wouldn't want these books in the school system, nor would school board leaders. And what we're seeing is that they're constantly finding ways to make this available. So I'm going on a national tour next year to address this further and to target some key states and cities that are pushing this kind of filth upon kids. And this is great, and I, I applaud you, John Amanchuku, and I think it's great that you're developing um, these resources because we need to replicate your efforts and parents um, who want to get involved in this and, and anyone who's concerned about our kids um, in, in general and the kids that are subjected to uh, this type of government-funded education and indoctrination system. And so um, where will these resources be available and for people who want to help and participate in um, this, this multi-state tour, how can people uh, get a hold of all of that? Yes, if you would like to book me and or support uh, my work and find out more about our resources, you can go to erasedbook.com. That's E-R-A-C-E-D book.com. You can go there to find out more information about what we're going to do nationally. Um, We need your support. Come alongside me as we begin to, um, you know, enact Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11, which it says, have have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them and or expose them. We have to expose this as filth and as a, as a major blot upon society. So I'm asking you all to come alongside me. Go to erasedbook.com. That's E-R-A-C-E-D book.com. Well, thank you so much, Pastor John, for your efforts and for continuing to speak truth boldly and uh, for encouraging others to come alongside you and um, fulfill that commitment in Scripture to continue to rightly divide truth from error. So we're praying for you, my friend, and thanks so much. As always, you can also follow Pastor John Amanchuku at Rev Wu Truth on X, and we'll be right back with more here on Jenna Ellis in the Morning. Finally, some good news. Because of you, Preborn has rescued over 44,000 babies this year alone. Right now, thousands of mothers are awaiting birth of their precious babies, and thousands upon thousands of babies are taking their first breath. Since its beginnings, Preborn's Networks of Clinics has rescued over 270,000 babies. That is a miracle. 
The overturning of Roe versus Wade only made the left more ravenous for the blood of the innocent. So now we need to be more passionate to save babies. Thanks to Preborn, we can do just that. For $28, you can empower a mother to choose life. Once she sees the precious life growing inside of her and hears her baby's heartbeat, she is twice as likely to choose life. And right now, through your match, your gift is doubled. Please give your most generous gift that will go 100% toward life. Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby or go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the Morning on American Family Radio. Welcome back. And turning now to a little bit of the uh, political news of the day and perspectives, um, you may have seen that the polls are uh, what Donald Trump and his campaign have kind of been touting, and there have been a lot of... um, I guess some differences in terms of where the advantage actually lies. And so in terms of polls and can we trust them, I want to bring in Robert Salvador, who is the CEO of a tech company out of Florida. He also is full disclosure and advisor to Governor Ron DeSantis. And he uh, joins me now to talk about the polls. So Rob, um, you and I have talked a little bit um, offline about this, but um, for people who are, are just generally unaware of how all of this works and how it can tend to be manipulated. Um, I like to call polls just kind of a giant bandwagon fallacy because you can manipulate them to kind of say and project um, almost like an expert witness on the stand, really whatever you want, and then say, oh, and look, this is what the uh, majority of you know this demographic believes, or this is the position that they're taking. And so people sitting at home go, oh, if that's different than my opinion, well, I'm not in the majority. And so they tend to want to follow that, that bandwagon. So Um, Break this down for us a little bit on how all of this actually works and what you're observing in terms of the presidential race. Yeah, absolutely. We're happy to be back and uh, always a pleasure to be here, Jenna. Well, you know, so you described it pretty well. So these polls have almost no transparency to them. They appear more as a paid-for commercial than they do an actual statistical representation of who's going to win the election or who people are thinking about voting for at any given time. So to your point, I mean, there's many different ways that you can collect a sample. There is no requirements. There's no compliance. There's no registration with the government. So these polls come out and they give some very basic information about where they gathered their results from. But at the end of the day, it's nowhere near enough information to prove if that data is actually valuable. There, you know, you could be at the parking lot of a Trump rally, take a sample, and then release one of these polls that says, okay, we took a sample of likely Republican voters, and here's what they say. And you can tell how that is not a good sample set because it, you know, it has bias in it. So I'll give two examples that have come out recently. Um, one is Rasmussen reports, and the other is Trafalgar. Um, both two polling organizations who, you know, put out a ton of polls and who a lot of these mainstream uh, media companies are using to, um, you know, to put out their poll numbers. And we proved both of them statistically inaccurate all the time. And so, you know, one example for Rasmussen, we went through their 2007, um, you know, uh, polls that they came out with. And we realized that they were completely wrong in 2007. Um, they said Rudy Giuliani was going to win at this time in 2007, 
he didn't even finish top five. We did the same thing with Trafalgar, uh, basically showing that their polls in 2022 were completely wrong, and they proved everyone, you know, that told everyone they were going to have a red wave, and it was wrong. So the point is, there is no transparency behind these polls, and if we're going to use these to represent democracy or claim to be a, a view of what people are thinking, we need to make sure they're accurate. Otherwise, it's just propaganda. Yeah, and, and Rob Salvador, I think that that's an apt term for it is is propaganda and um, and is, as, as I've turned it, kind of a bandwagon fallacy to just say, okay, here's what we want you to think the majority of voters or the majority of whatever demographic um, it is are thinking and the implicit messages and therefore you should think that way too. I mean, we saw this um, you know, really uh, – drastically in the 2016 election with um, I, I still remember watching the New York Times projection ticker of saying it was something like 98 percent um, statistical mm-hmm. probability that Hillary Clinton would win. And over the course of election night, it just went down and down and down and down because it was totally false and it wasn't accurate at all. But it was a a, a propaganda tool to make everyone think that it was a foregone conclusion that Hillary Clinton was going to win. And so if we take Take that and apply it, I mean, to any issue, not even just the presidential primary, but, you know, any issue like what we just saw in in Iowa with um, some of with their abortion measure. And, you know, we saw some of the polling that that came out that said, oh, well, you know, we're the most pro-life generation ever. And so we're not going to allow this to to pass. And then ultimately it, it did. I mean, why do people still then believe in polls um, I can understand why it, they would be utilized by people by propagandists and campaigns, but why do people still believe and trust in polls? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's it's really difficult because you know, there for anyone who's done the research, you know, on intelligence and intelligence agencies, you know, it's been known for thirty, forty, you know, a long time, many years, about the effects of propaganda on people. You know, there were many experiments and things done showing that if you constantly barrage people with information and messaging, even if it's not true, eventually at least some of them will start to believe it. And so if you look at these political campaigns, um, you know, they're doing the same thing that the mainstream media does. It's just trying to put out enough propaganda, and eventually some people, you know, will have that, will be impacted by it, and they'll vote in a certain way. Or like you said, they'll have that, you know, kind of group bias. You see that right now, I'll give an example for Ron DeSantis, is, you know, that's because that's how the Trump campaign is basically strategizing to beat DeSantis. They know DeSantis is a better candidate kind of across the board. He doesn't have the baggage of Trump, all that. So the Trump campaign is using this propaganda to try and suppress the vote, to try and get people to not turn out for DeSantis or not donate to DeSantis. So these tools can be very powerful. You know, when you don't have other information, most people don't know what's happening in politics right now. You know, they have their own issues. They're focusing on inflation and, you know, trying to take care of their kids and things like that. So you go to an organization that you think is providing a, a picture of that. And, you know, you might not know any better if you're looking at propaganda. You know, it's, it's pretty telling when the ultra popular governor of Iowa, Kim Reynolds, endorses Ron DeSantis, she has probably the best view of anyone in the world of what's going on on the ground in Iowa. And then the next day and the week later, the polls still show Ron DeSantis going down. That just doesn't pass the smell test. The last thing I'll say on that, we dealt with this during COVID. During COVID, we were told 
5,000 people died today from COVID. That's why we have to lock you down. And then a year later, we found out that 4,999 of them didn't die from COVID. They died in a car accident or something else. And so what we realized was the government was lying with statistics. It's a really easy thing to do. There's actually a book on it called How to Lie with Statistics. You're seeing that exact same thing with polls and these pay-to-play pollster organizations. And so I am, I am making a call with many other people out there for transparency for these polls for the good of the United States. Yeah, and I think that is a very um, worthy call to action, Rob Salvador. I mean, because the bottom line here is, you know, regardless of who anyone supports in the primary, and, and you know, I've I've been very open personally um, in, in my personal capacity that I support uh, Governor DeSantis. I've endorsed him. Um, I, I also support Vivek Ramaswamy. I think he's a great candidate as well. Um, I support everything that Trump's done in his in his first term. You know, so all of those those things and those discussions aside, we need to make sure that our um, our ability as voters to engage is not in any way tainted by some of this propaganda and um, genuine misinformation. And it's really fascinating to me, too, to see how, you know, some of these camps will tout uh, Twitter polls or, or now X polls that suggest that because uh, they have, you know, however many thousands of people that participate when they're an account that is obviously geared toward one particular viewpoint and demographic and suggesting that that type of poll is representative of the whole just because of the number of people that engage that and especially when you have the problem on x of bots for example and people who may not even be uh, able to to vote or for example if you have you know something that is a state level issue well if i'm not in that state i can still vote in a twitter poll and so those types of things are absolutely ridiculous in terms of a metric uh, to measure some of these things. And yet we see that when it comes to the presidential primary, um, there are a lot of people, and this is a narrative, Rob, that the primary is already over because, you know, Trump is ahead in the polls by 40 points. And I'm thinking, if that's your only metric, that's actually representative of literally nothing. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And you make a good point. There's just, there's so many different ways to collect this data. And there's also, again, no oversight or regulation behind the data. So what if I'm a pollster and all these pollsters, most of them are paid by different political organizations, right? It's not a charity. It's, it's a big dollar business. So what if I'm a pollster that is paid by, say, the Trump organization or the Trump campaign? And I take a poll and it doesn't give the results that the Trump campaign is going to like. What stops me from throwing that in the trash and taking another poll or taking more polls until I get the result that I'm looking for. Nothing stops them from doing that. Or what stops them from changing the cross tabs or the biases or the sampling size of the poll to get the results that they want? So it, basically what you're saying is both online and in real life, there's no transparency and these polls can be manipulated. And if these things are going to be used as a representation of democracy, then there should be compliance, there should be registration, there should be something. I mean, hearing and seeing Ronna McDaniel from the RNC even allow all of this that's going on, talking about canceling primaries and not having debates, when, like you said, Jenna, not a single vote has been cast. And what they're using to decide are these polls that we have proved are completely inaccurate and can be manipulated. The last thing I'll, I'll point to is a study that came out by Berkeley Haas, where they looked at 1,200 polls 
over the last 20 years of election cycles, they found that within seven days, within one week of the election, those polls are still only 60% accurate. Weeks and months out from the election, those polls have no statistical relevance whatsoever. So if we're going to use these polls to represent democracy, then we better have more registration than it takes to sell a security here in the U.S. with these pollsters than we do with, uh, with these polls. So that's my take on it. Yeah, and and I think that's a great point. Um, several things that you said, Rob Salvador, that um, you know, if we as as a conservatives and you know, and, and most um, uh, most of us listening are, are Republicans in terms of the party, but you know, even if you look at um, at the Democrats as well, who aren't holding debates, and this is why RFK Jr. is now running as an independent because he's saying you know the fix is in for Joe Biden, and conservatives would rightly point that out and say you know that's not how this should work. Uh, even though he's the incumbent president, that doesn't mean that he just de facto gets the nomination. We still have a primary process in this country, and so on the flip side for the Republicans, it's very concerning to see that uh, that the RNC is even suggesting that they might cancel some of the debates and. And for anyone who is participating in this rhetoric that, oh, the primary is done or we just need to cancel the primary, that is no more legitimate in terms of the process than what the left is trying to do to disqualify Donald Trump from the ballot in several states under some wacky 14th Amendment theory. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not for either of those propositions. I am for free and fair elections and for the process to play out so that the voters can genuinely and accurately uh, elect and select who they want to represent the Republican primary ticket. And so we should not, as conservatives, participate in any of this, oh, it's over, it's done, what are you even doing? And you know, the, and Donald Trump's rhetoric saying that the RNC is wasting a lot of time and money. And well, that's the process. And he actually has to earn the nomination. And if he does, then great, he has earned the nomination. But until that point, you have to continue to to fulfill the process. I mean, it would be the same thing as ridiculous as uh, Vladimir Zelensky right now suggesting that it's not the right time in Ukraine to hold elections and he just wants to cancel the election that's coming up in March of next year. That's uh, That in America would be ridiculous. Well, we cannot allow... Um, anything like that to be the primary rhetoric in terms of especially the conservative party. And I think that's very dangerous. Um, and it's a dangerous precedent to set Rob Salvador. And so, I mean, just the last minute I have with you, when you talk about, you know, having polls that have transparency and have, you know, some type of registration, I'm not really for government um, oversight over a lot of things or kind of the, the administrative state. But in terms of actually using this as a in a campaign ad, um, there are regulations around that. And so this would be possible. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's just a matter of that's a great point you make is, is that there are actual ways to get this done. It doesn't have to be some, you know, to your point, everyone is talking about election integrity and making sure that we have fair and free elections. And that's how it should be on both sides of the aisle. And so to to suggest that we can't do that, that's nonsense. There are ways to guarantee transparency. I mean, there's just ways to require better math. You know, again, just going back to the Trafalgar poll, they had a 1.8% response rate with one of the polls they put out, meaning 99% of people basically didn't answer them. So we just need to have some sort of better methodology that more represents what people might actually be looking at. You mentioned the Democrat side, you know, In 2008, Barack Obama was down 40 points to Hillary Clinton because back then the establishment wanted Hillary to run. 
So, you know, what you're seeing is that the mainstream media and the establishment tends to put out these polls that point at the person that they want to get the nomination. And so I agree with you. I think it's very important that voices like you, Jenna, um, are getting the message out there about the transparency of these polls and how, you know, if they're going to be representative of this election process, it needs to be as open and honest as the rest of the entire process. Otherwise, you know, we have a lot of problems here in the U.S. And we saw what happened during COVID when we allow, you know, statistics to be presented to us that aren't accurate. You know, and that think absolutely. And and what and so would have happened in 2008? Happen yeah. What would have happened in 2008 if the Democrats were like, oh, Hillary is, you know, 40 points ahead. So let's just cancel the primary. Well, you know, I mean, actually, that might have been better for America with everything that right, happened right. under but, the Obama administration. But it wouldn't right. have been fair. But, right. I mean, it, it would not have been fair to their voting base. And so that is the same ridiculous rhetoric that is now being propagated through a lot of the Trump supporters that is genuinely not conservative. It's not according to our process. And um, and so I think that no true conservative should participate in that. But in terms of the polls, we as conservatives also need to be aware, well, it's not regulated and it's not administered. There's not any transparency to be careful that regardless whether it's the presidential primary or anything else, that we do not fall captive to a bandwagon fallacy. And we don't look at polls as an indicator of how we should think and how we should vote our values. So Rob Salvador, always really appreciate it. We'll be right back with more here on Jenna Ellis in the morning. We want to welcome a new sponsor to American Family Radio, and I hope you give them your full support, and that's Christian Healthcare Ministries, chministries.org. If you're like most of us, you're feeling the strain of rising healthcare costs. Well, good news, Christian Healthcare Ministries may be the answer you're looking for. CHM is an affordable, faith-based option to traditional healthcare that provides members the freedom to choose doctors without worrying about networks or waiting periods since they are not insurance. Can you say freedom. CHM is the longest serving health cost sharing ministry and has been around for over 40 years, helping Christians pay for and pray for one another's medical bills. They are tried and true and have members in all 50 states and around the world and have covered billions in medical bills. Members not only get advantages from the affordability, flexibility, and reliability of CHM, but they also receive access to 24-7 telehealth services at no additional cost. It's no surprised that doctors across the country appreciate working with CHM, and so will you. Make the switch today by visiting chministries.org slash AFR. That's chministries.org slash AFR. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the Morning on American Family Radio. Welcome back. And in this last segment, I wanted to take a little bit of time and talk about the Christmas season and traditions and family and uh, what this season is all about. And we're going to um, be talking this Friday as well about the person of Christ and um, the person of God and how we as Christians need to take this opportunity to promote the truth of the gospel of Christ and uh, to participate in the holiday season overall uh, joyfully with an a patient expectation of the hope that we have in Christ. And um, I will have one of my uh, very dear friends and my pastor, uh, Gino Geraci, on this Friday to talk more about that. And so um, so I wanted to also focus then on what 
we do as families um, for the holiday season because uh, I was I was watching a couple of Christmas movies and some things um, with my family over the Thanksgiving uh, holiday. And in my perspective, and I know that this is going to be one of the most controversial things I will ever say on this network, but the Christmas season starts November 1st. And I know that there are many of you that would disagree with that and, and hear me out. It doesn't start, Christmas does not start after Thanksgiving. It starts November 1st because it is an entire season of the celebration of the holidays. And so Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's are but holidays within that joyful entire season. So I start listening to Christmas music actually kind of a little before November 1st. I might sometimes play Christmas music even in July, um, you know, because, hey, we got to have some joy sometimes. But in terms of the actual Christmas season, I start November 1st and then go all the way through New Year's. And it is such a great time uh, to, at the end of the year, look back on this year and then also years that have gone before to see the growth that we've had as Christians. We should always uh, be continuing to grow, to continue to be, uh, to work out our salvation in fear and trembling and and have um, our sanctification that is through Christ and maybe able to look back and say, you know, I'm not the same person that I was even uh, last year at this time or 10 years ago. We should be seeing that progress in terms of being daily conformed to the image of Christ. And one of uh, my family's best traditions that I, I personally love, my favorite thing about the Christmas season is our Christmas tree that it's at my parents' house. And the reason for that is because there are so many you know beautiful um, different designs of Christmas trees and ways to decorate. But my family has always had a tree of memories. And so we start Um, at the season when we decorate the tree. We start back in 1975, which is the year that my parents got married, and we start with the ornament set that they had in uh, their first year of marriage, and then we go through uh, annually the the years uh, since all the way up to the present day and what we've done over the years and throughout um, my childhood and now even into adulthood we all will get um, ornaments for the tree that signify um, either milestones of things that happened that year like maybe graduations or you know things of that nature or places that we visited or um, family events um, and some things you know that may not necessarily be um, be the best memories like I remember my first year of law school, um, coming home on Christmas break, my, my dad was in the hospital actually for a while and we ended up celebrating uh, Christmas and opening our gifts and everything after the first of the year, because uh, that was the attention that we focused, um, that year was, was on my dad and, um, his health. And thankfully, um, the Lord has continued to, um, to bless our family and, and my dad, you know, fully recovered from that. And so we have his hospital bracelet that's on the tree that we made into an ornament and we remember what we went through that year. Um, But we also remember and celebrate the goodness of the Lord in every season of life. And and I think so often we can focus so much on um, some of the either the negative aspects of the holidays, like things that we wish that we had or the things that we wish um, that we could enjoy instead of focusing on the goodness of the Lord, regardless of circumstances. And I know that there are people who are listening to this who may be, uh, may be suffering uh, great losses, um, whether that is a, a family member, an actual loss, maybe a death in the family, 
or um, that you might have lost a job, you might have um, have suffered, you know, some kind of trauma over the last year that makes it very difficult uh, to truly engage in the joy of the season. And um, and joy for the Christian, though, is not just this sort of temporal happiness or this fleeting type of, um, you know, yay, I'm going to Disney World kind of thing. It is um, joy is truly understanding that the hope that we have in Christ is for eternity. And so no matter what it is that we go through in this life all of the things that we suffer because of sin, because we are in a world that has been cursed by sin, this is the worst that it's ever going to get for us in this life because we have the hope of spending eternity with God. And we have joy regardless of our circumstances. We could be the poorest of the poor, the most alone, the most unsuccessful. We could be the, the, the person that the world would look at and say, you know, why are you even still have a semblance of being happy? Why do you even think it's, life is worth living? Well, it's because we don't measure our joy. We don't measure our daily uh, happiness and the expression of that joy through the world's metrics, um, through successes, through whether it's money, fame, power, uh, any of those things, relationships even. Um, We don't measure our joy as Christians through what the world does and how they would say, that uh, we are successful on that metric. Now, we may enjoy some successes that the world would look at and say, wow, they're very successful in, um, in this way, or I'm envious of that person because they have this, that, or the other. But those things are blessings of the Lord that we need to uh, look at and rightfully term as blessings because anything that we do in this life is because of the goodness of the Lord and because of his sovereignty. Um, anything that we can accomplish in this life is because he has given us the tools and the ability um, to accomplish those things. And so we can have joy in all things knowing that even if we aren't successful by the world's metric, that's okay. Uh, that's not what God measures and and God knows the heart. And we can also say that even if we have successes, we can give ultimate um, credit and we can be thankful in the Lord for those things because it is all all through him. And so I would just encourage you over this holiday season to uh, maybe start some traditions in your own family if you haven't yet. Um, Some of these things that you can maybe sit down with your family and think about what you're thankful for this year. I know we just went through Thanksgiving, but we can um, still continue that through the holiday season and see what has the Lord done in your life over the last year. Are you truly a different person than you were at the beginning of the year? Because uh, we should be able to measure our Uh, our continued faithfulness to him and faithfulness to our calling in Christ through asking and answering the question, do we look more like Christ than we did at the beginning of this year, at the beginning of, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago. And we should be able to measure our life in Christ through that metric and not anything else. And when we uh, when we sing a lot of these Christmas carols, and, and I love all of the holiday songs. Um, you know, I love Silver Bells. I love Jingle Bells. I love all of these fun, festive songs. I also love all of the hymns that we sing because when we truly consider 
uh, the lyrics in some of these amazing hymns that we sing over the Christmas season. This is us proclaiming the joy that we have in Christ and the hope of eternity. And we don't just sing this because it's a Christmas carol and because it's kind of a seasonal tradition. We truly are singing about the hope that we have because the truth of the gospel is that Christ came fully divine and fully human in the miracle of his birth. And he is our savior. And he is the one that has been promised to us. God always fulfills his promises. And he came knowing that he would pay the penalty for our sin. And eventually then we could live in eternity with him. That's the hope that we have. And one of my favorite of uh, the Christmas hymns is, O Come All Ye Faithful. And you know this song, but consider the lyrics here and consider the truth of the proclamation of of Christ and his truth. When we sing, O come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. O come and behold him, born the king of angels. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. O come all ye faithful. O sing choirs of angels. Sing in exultation. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. O come and behold him, born the king of angels. O come all ye faithful. And of course we repeat uh, this chorus to come um, and and to participate and enter into the joy that we have in the Lord. And um, are, are you this holiday season coming to the Lord in prayer and hopefully in your church where every Christian should be a member of a local church and we should have um, and participate in the church government, the family government, and our civil government that we talk about most frequently on the show. We talk about the civil government. But are we coming to, to church and to our families this season joyful and triumphant knowing that no matter what has happened over the last year, we have hope in the Lord, and we can be ultimately triumphant. Um, these, these songs that we sing that are so wonderfully beautiful proclaim the truth of the gospel of Christ. And as we consider this over the holiday season, a lot of times we want to also turn away from a lot of the, um, the bad news, the top headlines that are always so negative. I mean, because the, uh, in journalism class, that was my, my undergrad, it was always, if it bleeds, it leads <laughs> was, was the, um, the typical phrasing to say that, you know, the more negative the news and the more salacious, then um, the bigger the headline that it is. And a lot of us want to kind of turn away from that during the holiday season. And, um, and I would encourage us though, all of us through this holiday season, as we are facing our next year, and a lot of people go through New Year's resolutions, um, a lot of the the unpacking of what do we want to accomplish over this next year. Do we truly want to accomplish as our New Year's resolution every year to be closer to Christ? Um, that should be the resolution that all of us have. And of course, we can break that down into individual goals and um, you know personal. Um, health things, and, and all of those things are great. But as Christians, our foundational concern should always be growing closer to the Lord. And when we look at what's going on in society, we look at the the absolute God-forsaken society, because truly what we are living in is a post-truth era. 
we need to resolve in this new year even more to personally grow closer to Christ and encourage our family members to grow closer to Christ, pray for them, encourage them. Our families are our first priority and our first ministry. And then being part of our church um, and are we truly serving others through church? And then we also need to be concerned about participating in our civil government. And instead of turning away from some of these headlines, um, I would encourage all of us this year to look at that as maybe a little bit of a challenge to say, you know, all of these things that we see with um, you know, the rise of the the LGBTQ agenda, the, the DEI and CRT and, you know, all of this other stuff that we've even talked about on this show, um, that we can purpose to live our lives faithfully in civil government, to be actively participating in trying to promote truth in our civil society. Because this isn't just about making our society better so that we can live better, more happy, or easier, more comfortable lives. Um, Obviously, that is one of the blessings of liberty, is uh, to have the fruits of of capitalism and and the fruits of our labor, and, and those are all good things, and the Bible speaks to that. But we also need to be concerned about our participation in civil society so that it reflects the truth of the gospel of Christ. Because so many uh, people who call themselves, whether it's conservative, Republican, or in that vein, uh, they can be that. And you can be a conservative or you can you know, be a member of the Republican Party without being a Christian. There are a lot of other reasons to promote capitalism, to you know, promote a good economy, to, um, to promote freedom and liberty, and um, the, the choice to pursue happiness, as our founders described it in the Declaration of Independence. But we as Christians need to be promoting these policy uh, aspects from a very different perspective because ultimately we are promoting truth and truth is defined as the person of God. And so we aren't just promoting some of these policy things so that we can live um, a better, more advantageous life. We're doing this because ultimately we are promoting truth in society and civil society should be Uh, the the body politic, politics should be defined as truth in society, truth in community. How do we live together? And as we are celebrating this season and through all the traditions, all of these wonderful lyrics of these songs that we sing, let's come joyful and triumphant with the understanding in the new year to go forward in our three spheres of government, civil government, family government, church government, promoting truth and the hope that we have in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. to thank my sponsors, Preborn and Christian Healthcare Ministries. Preborn Network Clinics have rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion, and every day they save 200 babies' lives. But they can't do it without our help. Will you head over to preborn.com AFR and sponsor an ultrasound? 
Christian Healthcare Ministries is the longest serving health cost sharing ministry, helping Christians pay for and pray for one another's medical bills. Make the switch today and start saving. Visit chministries.org slash AFR. That's chministries.org slash AFR.